Greetings and welcome back to another an ongoing series of Shirav and Dafyomi. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom. We're now in Masachar Pesachim Dafyod Amud Bet. About to take a look at the second Mishnah. And what's the first parak? Rabbi Yudal Mer, Budkin Or Ba'asar V'Yarmasa Shacharit V'Sha'at HaBiyor. We saw this Mishnah referenced earlier in our discussion of Or and the meaning of Or. So Rehuda seems to say that you have to check three times, at night, in the morning, and at midday. So Chachamim do two things differently. First of all, they uh, seem to disagree with Rabbi Yehuda about uh, the necessity for more than one bedika. Uh, they clearly state that uh, there's only one B'dika, and if you didn't do it the night before, do it in the morning. If you didn't do it in the morning, do it. But Tochamoed, which would seem to mean in the afternoon of the 14th, and if not, then Yivdok Lacharmoed, which would mean on the Chag itself. And the second thing is that they allow checking later than Rabbi did. We saw also in the earlier discussions that whatever you leave over, uh, you should hide so that you won't have to check afterwards. Okay, my Talmud, Rabbi Yehuda. What's Rabbi Yehuda's reason? There are three different things that the Torah commands regarding getting rid of chametz. Lo destroying so Rabbi Huda, in this bright um, evidently responded to Chachamim by saying, if you did not check in these three times, you don't check anymore. That the disagreement is about checking later, not about how many times you have to check. That was this is Marzutra's version of this statement. It's pretty much the same. If you didn't check earlier. statement is not as we originally thought that you have to check three different times, but rather, if you didn't check at night, you check the next morning. And therefore, the only difference between Rabbi Yudah and Chachamim is, how much later will you still check if you didn't check in time? Rabbi Yudah says, you only check up until the time of the Isur, which means midday. Afterwards, you don't check anymore. Why? You might check in the afternoon, find chametz and eat it. Rabbanon Savri Lo Gazerah. Rabbanon say we don't make such gzera, and therefore you do bedika even in the afternoon of the fourteenth. Now Umi Gazerah Yehuda Doma Atah the Mechamine. Since when does Rabbi Yehuda support such gzera of not having food around you? <coughs> Let's be careful about this food, which is normally mutar, but because of a time issue, is asur to not have it around you during the time of the asur because you might eat from it. Fatnan, we have the Mishnah in Melachot. That, remember, once the Korban HaOmer is brought, then all of the new grains may be eaten. So the minute that the Omer is brought, you'd go out and you'd see all the Rishalayim filled with toasted kernels and with flour. And it was against the will of the Chachamim that they would harvest it earlier and have it around and ready to go to the Shuk right away. That's Rameir. Actually, the Chacham approved of it, which means, Rabbi Yehuda did not make a Gzerah 
or support a that you should not have chadash around before the omer is brought because you may eat from it. So shani chadash Rava says, since the only heter that they they gave you for even harvesting the omer bef- barley before the omer or any grains before the omer is by hand, not by normal harvesting, therefore you remember not to eat it. That only works if it's at the time of, of harvesting. What are you gonna? Uh, how will you answer that for uh, grinding and sifting? Meaning, uh, let's say that you harvested it two weeks before the omer. And now you've already started to grind it and sift it because after all we have flour in the marketplace. <clears throat> the answer is there were also limitations put there that you cannot grind it with a normal mill. You have to use a hand mill. Harkadal and the sifting can't be done through a regular sifter, but on top of the sifter. <coughs> so in other words, you'll always be aware that it's different. And you'll stay away. However, the Mishnah later on in that parak of Menachot, parak Asirim, says, If there are flooded areas or irrigated fields, you're allowed to harvest them, but not allowed to make piles before the Chada, before the Omer. And we say that that's Rabbi Yehuda. So, how are we going to answer that? Because there, Rabbi Yehuda, again, does not make the Gzerah, and that's a regular harvesting that we allow. The answer Rabbi gives is Chadash People stay away from Chadash. People do not stay away from Chametz. And there's a very simple reason for that. Chadash was Asur up until now. We're waiting for it to become Mutar. People instinctively avoid it. Chametz, on the other hand, has been Mutar all year till now. So now, a couple hours ago, it became Asur. People are instinctively flinching away from Chametz. So you had a problem between Rabbi Yehuda's ruling in our Mishnah and Rabbi Yehuda's uh, with the uh, not allowing Bedika after the hour <coughs> after the midday hour and Rabbi Yehuda in Menachot allowing uh, the bar- grain to be around before the Omer is brought. What about the opposite numbers? The Rabbanon here allow you to check Chametz as late as even during Pesach during the Chag, and in uh, in Menachot, they were opposed to uh, having any b- grain around before the Omer is brought. And the answer is, we've already answered that. And the answer of the, conf- the apparent contradiction between the Rabbanon's rulings is, after all, why are you looking for Chametz in the afternoon of the 14th, or on the Chag? Because you want to burn it. So if you're looking at it for it to burn it, you're not going to suddenly stop and forget all that and need it when you find it. Rashi Amar, he has a different take. Rabbi Yehuda he answers differently than we did. The Mishnah in Menachot says that there was flour and toasted kernels out there in the marketplace, which are not really edible as is. Now, how do Rashi do to him? That that is an errant report. Rashi never would have said that. I understand that once it's already been toasted, can't be eaten as such. What about the grains that you had before you toasted them? And then you go back to Rava's answer that you have to pick it in a different way. Then go back to the problem of the later Mishnah in the in Menachot that says that you could harvest in a normal fashion. Those irrigated fields, and we said that that's Rabbi Yehuda. And Rabbi Ashi Badutei, Rabbi Ashi's answer is not a correct answer, meaning he probably never said it. <coughs> it's an errant report. 
Okay, so now we're going to investigate both premises about Rabbi Yehuda. Number one, does Rabbi Yehuda really make a gzerah to avoid any contact with foods that you don't instinctively flinch away from? Which is what he said about Chamech, supposedly. Vatanan, we have the famous Mishnah Shabbat, Loikov Adam Shafer Shabbat Savnan Hashem and Enob Yimin Sanam Shal Shatayman Atefed, Vafilu Shacheres. You can't pop a hole in a, like an eggshell and put, fill it with oil and put it next to the nair and so that it should drop oil in. And the concern is that you may then take oil out from that and therefore it's gram kibui because it's going to lead to the, the, the candle going out earlier because you're taking away some of the oil. Rabbi Yudah Matir, Rabbi Yudah allows it. So you see that Rabbi Yudah says you could have it there. We're not afraid you're going to take it. And oil is certainly something you not uh, don't flinch away from. The answer is, There you have a different case, a different reason. People avoid it not because of an instinctive uh, uh, distancing from the food stuff, but rather Shabbat puts its own sense of chumr on it. People aren't going to touch it on Shabbat. And now we have a contradiction within the laws of Shabbat. If you have a pail rope, rope for lifting a pail, that gets cut on Shabbat. You don't retie it, but you make a bow. says you could wrap something around it, but you can't bow it. So you can wrap something around it to kind of get the two pieces together, but you can't tie them and you can't even bow them. So you see it, Rabbi Yehuda makes a bigger gzera. Rabbi Yehuda makes a gzera, you can't even tie a bow. And Rabbanan allow you to tie a bow, and don't put the extra distance in saying you might end up tying a knot. The answer is, Shevin B'Shevin Mechlaf. The reason that pe- that they do not allow the, the uh, eggshell candle supplier <coughs> candle feeder is because what's one oil, what's another oil, you're going to take it. But people don't confuse making a bow with a knot. So if we allow them to make a bow, they're not going to lead to a knot. On the opposite direction, we have no contradiction between the two statements of Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda's reason for not allowing a bow is not because his bow is a gzera, has a progression against tying. As we well know that Rabbi Yehuda's position is making a bow is a knot. So therefore, he doesn't allow you to make a bow because it's a sort. And now we have a contradiction with Rabbi Yehuda. At the in the fifteenth parak of Shabbat, we said you can tie a pail with a uh, like a light string, but not a regular rope. And Rabbi Yehuda allows a regular rope. So chevel demai, what kind of chevel? Elam chevel dama if it's a regular rope. Why would he allow that? You're not going to move that rope from there. Once you put it on, it's going to remain your rope for the pail, which means it's a permanent knot. You're going to certainly leave it there. Elapshita the gardi. It must be. Like a weaver's uh, uh, thread or something, which you're, which you're going to afterwards take off, because you need it for work. So the rabbanim made a gzera that you can't use a a weaver's um, row a thread or twine as a gzera against a regular chevel. But on the other hand, they allowed you to bow and not make a knot. The answer is in People will confuse one rope for another. I don't make sure they won't confuse making a bow with with tying. Now that was one of the premises of Rabbi Yehuda, which is that something that people do not instinctively avoid. Rabbi Yehuda makes a against them. We saw the issues of the Shabbat. 
Now the flip side, and in those cases where people do avoid it, Rabbi Yudah does not make a zerah. If you have a bechor behemah like a cow, a calf, and suddenly it gets extra blood, and you need to let some blood, even if the thing is going to die, you still cannot let blood. Rabbi Yudah says the reason is because you may make a mum and you're not allowed to make a mum on kodshim. Make a mum kodshim. Chacham say you go ahead and just don't make a mum. So the answer is as hatam. So therefore you see that even though it's something people do avoid, Rabbi Yudah does make gzera. A person is very worried about his own money. So remember, if a Kohen ends up with a Bukhor that is a Balmum, he gets to keep it, and it's not a Korban. If you allow him to let blood, even in a place where it doesn't make a Mum, he'll end up doing it where you make a Mum, and then he'll get his free animal. And Rabbanan say, Rabbanan say, of course, but if you don't allow him to do it at all, he's going to make it anyway, so let's allow him to do it in a place where it won't make a mum. But since when does that principle, that a person is very concerned about his estate, and therefore we know that he's going to ignore certain isurim or forget about them in the heat of the moment, Sort of akin to what we saw in the 16th parak of Shabbat with the fire. Vatnan, Rabbi Yudomer, ein mekardin behema biyom tov. You're not allowed to comb an animal on yom tov. Neshu osech habura, because very thick iron, sharp iron combs, thin iron combs, teeth, will, will, will cut through and actually make them bleed. Vomakartsafin, makartsafin means you can use, uh, wider teeth that are not so sharp. Chomom ein mekardin ve'afin makartsafin, you can't use either. And we have bright explaining them. Kidur is ketanim. That's little, uh, sharp, narrow teeth. And they actually make it bleed. Kirtsuf is They're bigger and softer. So the answer is hatam di So the, the, the contradiction, the problem there is that why does Rabbi Yehuda allow you to do the, um, the, um, mekartsafin? Um, if a person is Bahu Mamono and you're going to say, ah, oh, you know what, he's going to end up doing the other kind too. The answer is Hatam Dishavikle Mayit. In the case of the, of the bloodletting, if you don't let him let blood, the animal's going to die. So Amrin Andam Bahu Mamono. Therefore, a person is concerned about his Mamon. And therefore, Buddha says, if we allow him to do anything, he's going to do it the wrong way. And he's going to do it and make a moom. And therefore, we don't allow him at all. But here, if you don't let him comb at all, the animal's just experiencing some discomfort. So, therefore, we don't apply the principle, which means the principle of really depends on what you stand to lose. So, why did Rabbi Yehuda make a gzerah about chametz that you cannot check for chametz after the time that it's asur? But when it comes to the, the thicker comb, it's softer. You can he doesn't make the gzera. The answer is because people will confuse and see some chametz and confuse it for appropriate lechem, and therefore he doesn't want you to have any contact with it. But the soft comb and the th- and the thinner, sharper comb, people will not confuse, and therefore he allows you to use the thicker, softer comb. Okay, we'll pause at this point. We'll pick it up with the next mishnah in the next podcast. In the meantime, everybody should have a wonderful day.